It is Thursday, February 9th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. A blockbuster trade in the NBA. And Russell Westbrook gets traded. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. You go to bed, you wake up, Kevin Durant's on the Phoenix Suns. What? There was also another trade, like Russell Westbrook's gone from the Lakers. Multiple other trades. We don't care about anything because... We know what the lead is. Because we popped... I popped out of bed, and I said, no freaking way. Yeah. Because the other day on this show, I literally said, bet the Phoenix Suns because the potential of a Kevin Durant trade is going to move the odds so much. And I even said, I we signed off the show on Tuesday morning. And I said, does Durant get traded tonight because the Nets were playing the Suns? And you said no. And you were right because he didn't get traded on Tuesday. No, it took till Wednesday. <laughs> said, get on the plane. Should he even get on the plane? <laughs> it took till Wednesday. But could have saved him a flight. Kevin Durant is a member of the Phoenix Suns. Break it down. Yeah, this is, and we'll bring in our resident NBA expert, Mackenzie Rivers, is here. Uh, Mac, this is a, a massive deal. You talked about the day after Kyrie got traded. I said, "Is Kyrie the biggest name that gets traded?" And you said, "No." I, I expect this to be the first domino for Brooklyn. You you anticipated that KD would get traded. Is this kind of the deal you'd imagine? Phoenix bringing back Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first round picks, uh, and you know the Suns get TJ Warren and Kevin Durant. Is this kind of what you had in mind? Yes, exactly. And we talked about the trade that the they ended up pulling the trigger on with Kyrie Irving. Had a couple players in it, had a couple starters in it, but it wasn't sexy enough to kind of entice Kevin Durant. That was a big hint. And then Kevin Durant said nothing. No agent message, no report, nothing after the Kyrie Irving trade. Probably because he wanted to keep radio silence until this thing happened. If you if the Nets wanted to appease Durant, they would have had Chris Paul. Instead, he's going to be with Chris Paul, but not in Brooklyn, in Phoenix. Yeah, and you said, just because he's not saying, this was yesterday morning, I said, well... It looked bad for KD if he demanded a trade yeah. publicly. He didn't have to demand a trade publicly because behind closed doors, we talked about yeah. it yesterday morning, they're having these meetings. Kevin Durant can demand a trade without doing it on Twitter or in the media. It looks a lot better for KD, certainly, because now there's never – there's never. I mean, we know that he clearly has to be traded, but he didn't have to say it. This is, this is a win-win for KD. Let's talk about – first, let's talk about the Suns. Last night you could have had the Suns at what, eighteen to one? Yep, yep, eighteen. Mm-hmm. What's the, what are the current odds this morning, Mac? Suns plus five fifty at DraftKings. Not a consensus. Haven't done our full consensus. First one to put them up though. DraftKings make them the second favorite at plus five fifty. Only the Celtics have better odds. That is incredible. I mean, one player. Moves. Well, it's and it coincides also Devin Booker coming back. So it's it's think about this team now. It's it's DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. I, mean, I don't even. I don't care who the fifth guy is. 
Yeah. Put you and I as the fifth guy. Maybe. Put McKenzie as the fifth guy. I did guy. get cleared fully for uh, athletic activities yesterday, so maybe it's time. We're pretty close to the desert. Yeah. We play a six-man or something. Yeah, I could do it. I mean, I, the money's right. They, they haven't asked me, though, so we'll is this, see. Is this the best starting five in, in, in the Western Conference right now? It's, I mean, it's them or a healthy Golden State. I, I think you'd have to say, but I'd, I'd probably lean towards uh, I'd, I'd lean towards the Suns. You, yeah, I think you kind of have to. Suns have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, both in their prime. Warriors only got Curry. The other guy's not in their prime. Oh, you know who else? Ke- Cameron Payne could come back from injury. <laughs> well, By the way, TJ Warren, a guy you might remember from the bubble when he was scoring like 35 a yeah. game. He's, you know, just a th- uh, an additional part to the deal. Not even mentioned in the headlines, but he's a starter in the league. He probably starts for them, too. Yeah, the Suns look nasty right now. And now, per usual, it all boils down to will Chris Paul be healthy in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine I, – I can picture a pulled hamstring already he in the playoffs. He doesn't have to play a big role now. I mean, Durant and Booker just by the – if Chris – McKenzie, if Chris Paul was not on this team and the Suns make this trade and Kevin Durant joins the team with Devin Booker, do, do the odds – make the same move i think they do yeah they're seven to one instead of plus yeah. 550 chris paul not an essential piece but he might end up being a difference we were talking the other day about those 2011 mavericks you know not great stats for jason kidd that year but he was impactful he was heady you know when you needed to make that smart decision he was there chris paul can probably you know take six weeks off don't get hurt chris paul we need you for you know two rounds probably to make the difference well i mean they pro- they need him to play point guard because it, the the other point guard cameron Payne, goes out in this deal so you need someone to kind of run the offense. It just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you're right. Chris Paul certainly. I think so much less taxing physically than it was for him last year. He doesn't have to score 20 a game. He doesn't have to score 10 a game with this roster. I know? got a bet to make right now. Let's do it. Cam Thomas, most improved player, 14 to 1. Hmm. He's, he, without Durant now, he is the scorer on the Brooklyn Nets. Is there enough? I mean, 40 in the last three games. Not bad. Not a bad yeah. start. I mean, it, it, here's the question, though. With these new guys coming in, does his role sort of diminish a little? It's Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, it's actually Seth like the, Curry, Joe Harris. I mean, like the, the Nets, deepest team of role players. It really is. The new hero, Cam, Cam Thomas. We always talk about the big three. Brooklyn has, like, six number threes. You know, and now that we mentioned it, it's probably not the last deal that they make today because they have, like, eight wings that could start in the league other people will probably want to give up some more draft picks for that kind of action who would you expect cam johnson he's the youngest and uh if they're going to rebuild he probably can help uh he can probably be a cornerstone that teams build around for championship contention all those players that i just mentioned actually mikhail bridges actually also you know well i don't know join the clippers right now yeah but i don't know can you trade a player that you just got there there's like some rules or something like that i don't know how it all works but but um Literally, all these players that I just mentioned are starting caliber players yeah. on every team around the league. No, Dinwiddie, no doubt. Finney Smith, O'Neal, Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, Seth Curry, Joe Harris. I mean, wh- yeah, everyone is a is a is a is a is a high caliber wing player. Well, let's talk about the the Nets side of this thing because it's unlikely. I mean, we talk about they're clearly having all these number threes. There's no number one and number two on this team, but. Are the Nets what 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 do the Nets do this season? Are the Nets still a viable you know playoff team this season? Are 
Are, are, should, are the Nets folding up their tents? What's happening here, Mac? They probably have a good enough record where they will make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they really want to. I mean, this puts it in perspective. They were 6-1 to one entering the weekend. Kyrie gets traded. They're 30-1. to one. Now they're 80-1. to one. They're not expected to do much. However, we talked about how no one wanted Kevin Durant making a big trade demand would look really bad for Kevin Durant. I think it would look really bad for the Nets, too, because there's been a lot of trade demands when it comes to the Nets. This way, though, quietly, now they have five first-round picks coming up. They can start to rebuild out of the spotlight to the kind of fun team we were talking about earlier in the week. And the Nets, like we just said, they've got a lot of great role players, it, but the Nets' reputation has probably taken a hit. Is this a place where free agents are going to want to come play? It's still the New York City market. Uh, it feels like <laughs> Kyrie Irving made a comment after Durant was traded. He's like, man, I'm just glad he got out of there. Like, like what? You got, got out of there. What is it, a horror house? My goodness. Uh, so they did not enjoy their time in Brooklyn and uh, other, and they talk, and they're very popular players around the league. Other people be like, why was that so bad? And they're going to tell them. So I don't expect them to get any big free agents anytime soon. Kudos to some of our listeners that did bet the Nets, uh, excuse me, the, the Suns early on earlier this week when we had talked about it. Uh, Pickles tweeting in, got it at 14 to 1. Uh, we know our own Steve Fezzik got it at 18 to 1. Yeah. So, and then there's there's people all over Twitter that are showing their uh, their tickets on what they got nineteen to one bets on beautiful the, uh, the the Suns to win the title. Now I'm not saying the Suns are, are a lock to win the title, but they're pretty darn good. No, <laughs> and listen, pretty good. Uh, there's there's a lot of ways to hedge now as the as the season goes on. Where if you've got a nice ticket, you can make some money off it down the stretch. I. I always go back to when I had 30 to 1 on the Cavs the year that I said, "Oh, LeBron's going to go back to Cleveland." Yeah. He goes back to Cleveland and it was like it was amazing having a 30 to 1 ticket until I got to the end and knew they couldn't beat the Warriors. Yeah. But it was still a fun ride. It's fun to have that ticket in your pocket. Now, had that happened in 2023, oh, I'd have a way to make money off it 100%. There wasn't there wasn't prop swap and things like that back in those days. But now it feels like, yeah, if you've got a good ticket, eventually you can make money off of it. Without injury, I can't see a scenario the Suns don't make the Final Four, and then you start profiting. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, they're in a really good spot. Well, it wasn't the only trade yesterday, and it ain't going to be the only trade as the deadline approaches later on today. But the other big trade was the Lakers getting better addition by subtraction and also addition, too. Yeah, and let's bring in our NBA expert, Mackenzie Rivers, on this topic. And... Mac, this feels like a a win for the Lakers. They, they move on from a player they clearly didn't want, and they get a couple starters. Like It feels like their roster is better automatically. Their salary cap situation is better. What's the downside for the Lakers here? The downside is only opportunity cost. They had two valuable picks that the league was very interested in, and they traded one of them, and they got D'Angelo Russell. Could they have gotten more? I don't think so. I think this is about as good of a haul as you could have hoped for. You got not only D'Angelo Russell, who used to play for the Lakers, was the number two overall pick back with the Lakers back in the day, but they got Jared Vanderbilt, who's probably their best wing defensive player right now. He slots right into the starting lineup. I bumped them up a point and a half. I thought it was a pretty good deal for the for the team. Well, and for a team that, you know, we talked about this a week ago when, when uh, Russ was out, or a couple weeks ago, when Russ was out and Anthony Davis was out, and it was LeBron and, like, four guys you'd never heard of, even Malik Beasley improves this team. Like, Malik Beasley can play valuable minutes for this team, right? Yeah, he's probably their best bench player tomorrow. So, yeah, that does say a lot. This, this It feels like a huge win for them. Moving on from a player that they didn't want, getting multiple players who right now are probably better than Russell Westbrook for a draft pick? That, that feels like a, a can't-lose situation. 
Although, am I am I mistaken that like so the Jazz get the the pick? The Jazz continue to just pile up picks, right? This yes. that's that's all they're really gaining because they get Russell Westbrook. You're expecting Russell Westbrook not to be a member of the Jazz. Yes, there's just no possible reason. In fact, it's funny because of all the teams he could have been traded to, there's only one team he says I do not like playing there. I do not like their fans. That'd be the Utah Jazz. Russell Westbrook, bad history there. Definitely going to get bought out. The only question is, will he be picked up by one of these contenders? The Clippers reportedly is an early candidate. All right. Well, that'll be, I mean, God, it, it's wild that there's still people who are like, you know who, who will really help us out? Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's, it's the John, it's funny because the, they already tried this with John Wall. It's like, well, he got, he, last year he was being paid $40 million a year. We can, you know, buy him out or pick him up after a buyout for $5 million. Maybe it'll be helpful. Didn't work with John Wall. He wasn't very helpful. He hasn't played much. But, hey, you know, another kick of the can with Westbrook could be in the cards for the Clips. So now does this give you hope for the Lakers' playoff chances? Yes. I mean, they're 13th out of 15 teams. they got to be in the top 10. It's all, already looking bleak. But this is probably the best they could have hoped for. And I bumped them up a point and a half. They got to be a little bit better than that to catch up with some of these other teams. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, obviously, Mike Conley is the, the centerpiece of what they get. Is, is are they giving up more than they're getting back here? What, what's the idea here behind Minnesota's move? I think on paper, yes. D'Angelo Russell at this point in his career is a better player than Mike Connolly. However, D'Angelo Russell's been uh, disgruntled of late. You know, he wants a bigger role, and that is not going to happen with Anthony Edwards in the backcourt. And with Mike Connolly, you get a couple of things. You get a veteran player who doesn't mind taking a backseat to anybody, taking a backseat, you know, kind of showing Anthony Edwards the ropes. But also you get a player that, was probably the most effective pick-and-roll partner with Rudy Gobert in his career. And for a guy that, you know, scored three points in his comeback game where they got blown out by the Nuggets, getting him, I mean, they're so invested in him, he's going to be part of the team. Getting him somebody to get him going offensively sounds like a good idea. So on paper, a little bit worse, but I think the chemistry-wise is probably probably a slight upgrade for the Timberwolves. So it feels like this is one of the rare trades where, especially a three-team trade, where everybody kind of wins here. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. No, I mean, again... The fact that D'Angelo Russell wanted to leave is right. already like a problem. But given that, given the givens, yes, this is a positive trade for all three teams. I'm interested in what the Jazz are doing because the, the Jazz, and I've, I think I've said this multiple times this season, like how are the Jazz winning basketball games? It doesn't make sense to me that Utah is winning any games because they, they gutted their roster this offseason. I mean, I guess – Maybe moving on from from Mike Conley makes them, like you said, a little bit worse on paper, especially after they cut Westbrook. But there's still it's there's a potential that the Jazz could still be in a play in game. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're tanking, but they still have a million draft picks. The Jazz have found a real like and competitive in the NBA as a relative term. (laughs) I don't I don't think the Jazz have any chance of like like making a run in the playoffs or anything. But if you can sell your fan base, hey. We're having a run where we're going to try and make the playoffs. We're going to make a push to get into a play-in game and make the playoffs and at the same time be building for your future the way that they are. This is like as well as the getting rid of Gobert and and, uh, Mitchell could have worked out for the Jazz. Am I wrong? No doubt. No doubt. You're right. They're on pace to go 20 games over their season win total. They're supposed to win 21 games. They're expected to win 41. Ainge is like, hey, not so fast, guys. Not so fast. We don't have to win that many games. To have a positive season where we're selling out every night. If they if they're the tenth seed, they play for the playoffs and they don't make it, that's perfect. Because then they get all those extra lottery balls to try to get Victor Win Benyama. They said there was three players that are untouchable. 
everybody else, I wouldn't be surprised if today, trade deadline day, they get even more draft picks. They really, really understand what they're doing, and they're, they're, it, it doesn't cost them anything. They're still having a fun team. They still got a new coach that's exciting, and they're piling up draft picks, kind of like the Thunder did a couple well, years ago. Three first-round picks in this draft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've got, uh, like, the next three or four years, they're going to have three first-round picks every year, basically. Like, mm-hmm. That's just... Which was, is good in Utah because it's hard to get a free agent to sign in Utah. No doubt. So yeah, that's, draft that's the way to build it. So uh, looks like a, a trade that, that works for everybody. This has to – talk about what LeBron has been on social media doing, and do you think that had an effect on getting this deal done? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I would be shocked if they didn't trade at least one of their two picks. They had two, uh, you know, bullets in the chamber. They had to fire him because after Kyrie didn't end up going with the Lakers and they were interested – LeBron tweets out, maybe it's me. Uh, that subtext, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's Rob Palinka that's not that's messing up his job right now. That's what I took from the tweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they, had to, they had to respond because, you know, a lot of people are expendable. LeBron James is not one of them, and he was not happy. All right, let's look elsewhere in the NBA where the Blazers and the Knicks make a trade. And there, there's a couple players involved, but essentially this is Josh Hart for Cam Reddish. Uh, this feels like the Hart is a solid, though maybe unspectacular player. Cam Reddish is a guy who people are still looking at as having some upside. What what's the what's the thought process behind? Let's start with the Knicks. What's the thought process behind this for the Knicks? The Knicks they have about a sixty five percent chance to make the playoffs, and that's all they care about. So this is going to be a slight upgrade for them. This is depth. This is probably their best. Uh, one of their better defensive wings that, that can come off the bench for them. Uh, so, yeah, it's a slight upgrade. Cam Reddish is not a Tibbs player. He's not a guy. He's a flashy guy. He's a threes guy. Not the kind of guy that, you know, he's, he's barking on the sidelines to get in a lower stance. Josh Hart's going to be more amenable to that. He's more, of a, he's more of a, you know, do-everything type guy. So I think it's a slight improvement for the Knicks. For the Blazers, I think they're, they're looking to hit a home run. Cam Reddish got no luck in Atlanta, you know, with Trey Young there, and he's gotten very little run in New York. But potential-wise, I mean, this guy was – right there with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett as far as that draft class and upside. So the Blazers think, well, maybe one day we'll win a championship with Dame Lillard. We're going to have to hit a couple lottery tickets. Cam Reddish might be one of them. Well, and and the backcourt in Portland is kind of locked up with Simons and Lillard. Right. Is, is there a path to real minutes for Reddish? Like is, or is it just, hey, we're bringing him in. If things work out, awesome. If they don't. Not the end of the world. We probably weren't looking for a title this year anyway. I do think they have some outs where they don't have to play them, but ideally I think they run a three-guard lineup with Grant and Nurkic as the bigs. And because of uh, Cam Reddish you know, being a bigger guard, I think that could work for them. That's interesting because I, I and one of the guys that I re- – and by the way, Josh, they've been doing that most of this year because Josh Hart's been starting all season. Right. So they have run a three-guard lineup. What's interesting about it is – the guy that they drafted last season, who's sort of a, a wing type player, shade on sharp. Right. Uh, I would have expected them to want to give those minutes to him because that's a guy they're truly invested in. Has he been a disappointment, or is 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 this a possibility for him to get more minutes and maybe Cam Reddish to be the guy coming in off the bench? I think you get two lottery tickets because yeah, he has been a little bit of a disappointment, only scoring seven points a game. But they're obviously not going to sell sell on him. So whoever you know, whoever's working. They probably trade the other guy. All right, looking at a trade that happened the other day, Kyrie Irving, we know, now a member of the Dallas Mavericks. And he said, you know what? My first game in Dallas, 
Not gonna have uh, not gonna have my running mate with me. There's no no Luca. I guess I'm just gonna have to go out and have myself a day, <laughs> and a day he did have, as Kyrie Irving essentially drives the Mavericks to a win on the road as a big dog, but Kyrie puts up 24 uh, to go along with five assists in this game. What did we see out of Kyrie? Like to me. Mac, and you tell me if you think differently, Kyrie has real potential to be like one of the 10, 15 best players in the league for the rest of this season because it feels like he's in a, a much better place mentally being in Dallas than he was in Brooklyn. Yeah, and he has got a lot more to prove because Dallas Mavericks don't have to sign him. They could easily you know, pass this summer and try to sign a different Max agent. That said, if he does play well, I think he's a perfect fit for Luka Doncic. And there was a moment in this game, Kyrie Irving drives – he jumps up in the air to pass. He's fading to the left. He fakes one way, and he throws it out right. It hits a three. It's the fourth quarter. They go up by 10. Clippers never threaten again. The reaction of the Mavs bench, including Luka Doncic, just like, you know, whirly birds with their arms going crazy. And I'm like, There's six <laughs> minutes to go in the game, but they saw something. They said, this is exactly the type of innovation that we haven't had without Luka that we can have now that can help us win a championship. Well, what also it gives them is it gives them an opportunity to rest Luka at times because no they were 1-8 and eight without Luka this year. And now it's 2-8 and eight because Luka doesn't play, Kyrie steps up, and they get, a, they get a win. So you're not forced to play Luka when he's dealing with a minor injury because you're not staring at the face of, we can't win without him. Now you have a player like Kyrie Irving, you can say, hey, Luka, you can take the night off. It's a great point, because before the Kyrie trade, Luka was number one in minutes, number one in usage rate, and probably number one in nagging injuries. So all <laughs> those, all three of those things can be relieved with Kyrie Irving in tow. Uh, elsewhere in the league, two of the three teams we expect to roll over and die every night decided to do so. The Pistons get blown out by 28 in Cleveland. Spurs lose by 14 at Toronto. And trade away Jakob Poto. Yeah, but those pesky Rockets decided to cover against Sacramento. Sacramento comes back and wins on a 72-point second half, <laughs> and that gets them to a 130-128 win. Well, shout-out to Mac, who gave us the system bet for the first half in this game. because Mackenzie, re repeat what we said yesterday on uh, the show about what the play was for this yeah. game in the first half. So when two teams like these teams did play back-to-back -back in the same venue— the team that loses the first game, makes a lot of sense motivation-wise, comes out on fire the, se the, the first half of the second game, and that's exactly what we saw. Rockets, nine-point underdogs. They win the first half, end up covering the game, but all their, all their edge really was in the first quarter where they just wanted the game more. They're like, we're tired of being pushed around. Very common in this scenario, and we saw it again. The Celtics win 106-99, but Jalen Brown breaks his face. Uh, obviously, it's been a, an amazing season for Brown. This sort of mars the win for the Celtics. Uh, is this is? It seems like a lot of guys play in masks. It may be a few days before he can do that, though. What 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 does it look like for the Celtics right now? It's probably decent timing for the Celtics because it's not good. He's not going to be out there for the All Star break. But hey, you have the All Star break. It's longer than it used to be. It's a week. He's going to have the Rip Hamilton mask, you know, late in February. So they're not going to miss too many games from Brown. 
which is big because he's their second most important player. Are there any trades cooking that you, you've you heard rumors about or you think are imminent to happen? Yes, the Raptors have been shopping two guys, OG Ananobi, who everyone's calling about, but it doesn't seem like the value's there, and Pascal Siakam quietly. They have too many forwards. He's a big-name guy, big salary guy, but he can help somebody win a championship, particularly a team like the Golden State Warriors, who are floundering right now but have a lot of assets. They can put two or three of those together. Pascal Siakam is a guy I'd be looking out to be traded today. And that would that be coming back from the Warriors? Would you would you expect that to be the the Wisemans or Kamingas, the young guys that have the yes. upside still? It's at least those guys, and it might be a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who's very valuable to them. But uh, to get a Pascal Siakam, who you know is a top fifteen player, they might have to pull the trigger. Even even a Draymond Green or Clay Thompson is sacrilegious as it might sound. Wow, it's, you know they're not there yet, How and they can they? be with a guy like Siakam. <laughs> AJ, it is Super Bowl week. It, it, what? Yeah, we're days away. What? It's it's the countdown. I hadn't heard. Ticking. I know we talked uh, with Mr. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest earlier this week, but once is just not enough for Fez. So he's back with us here this morning on SOVAM. And Fez, AJ was asking me this question, and I think it's better suited for you. It's about same-game parlays when it comes to the Super Bowl. AJ, take it away. My question to you is, is this a Dumbo play? And then I want you to also consider that because the average better for the Super Bowl is not the the person who's wagering, you know, three games a week in the NFL or two games a week in the NFL, some people, their only bets of the year may be on the Super Bowl. Is this a way for a casual sports better to, to have fun? And what's the the ROI on these things and and how 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 much are the bookies being cockroaches on this? Yeah, so it is a lot of fun. It is a complete and total ripoff. The <laughs> the problem with the same game parlays is that there's no disclosure that you're not getting the true odds. So you parlay Mahomes over with Kelsey over. Well that's correlated. That's a pretty damn good bet. Now, yes. So if I can play them both at 13 to 5, then I'm going to wind up making money by stacking these players together. But the problem is is that the sports book charges you a extra commission when you do that and there's no disclosure. It's like the Wonka factory. You know what? No one goes in, no one goes out. There's no nothing on the site explaining what the extra charge is. You're just told if you risk 500, it's going to pay 900 instead of 1300 and you just don't even know. And that it that is the problem. And yet in the media you see more and more people giving out their same game parlays and recommending it. And it's another movie reference in the casino. There's a scene where this is the opposite because the casino loses that a jackpot gets hit three times for 15,000 at the uh, Tangiers. And um, after the, after the third jackpot, the um, uh, is it, what's the actor's name? De Niro. De Niro. Ace De, Rothstein. Ace Rothstein. De Niro. Thank you. Comes up to the the slot manager. He says, "You didn't see the scam in play when the second fifteen thousand gets hit. This is supposed to hit like once every like year. There's two of them in fifteen minutes, and you didn't shut it down. You just let them get another." And 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 the the slot manager says, "It's a casino. Guys got to win sometimes." And De Niro's like, "The odds of this hitting three times are like one in a billion. You're either in on it or you're incompetent. Mm, either either way, way, you're." fired <laughs> and the same thing is really true with like the media they're either in on it like they want like they're doing a show sponsored by a sports book so they're helping the sports book make more money 
or they truly think there's value on these same game parts. Either way, they're fired because they're just not looking to help people win. Now, having said all that, there are exceptions, as always, to the rule. So if Draymond Green is only going to play 18 seconds of action, and the limit on Draymond Green's on his under five and a half assists is $80 on your account, and you can play Draymond Green. This is the famous game where all the, the, the yeah, starting yeah. five was back together, and he literally played under a minute. Well, now if you can parlay in same game parlays, Draymond Green assists under with Draymond Green points under with Draymond Green, you know, rebounds under. Guess what? You can get short paid because it's a certain winner. So the pros do use same game parlays to circumvent the limits when things are almost certain and the numbers are just completely wrong and off. Like when someone. But that's rare and probably even more rare in the Super Bowl. Yes. So you're just not you're if you're a mere mortal and you're a recreational better, you're never going to get those Draymond Green type bets. But guess what? The sports book has to make up for getting the, the hitman kicking their teeth in once every two months. And the way they make up for it is to just destroy the, the, the recreational better again and again and again. There's in Black Deck, there's a bet called uh, Easy Bust to give you an example. You can bet that the dealer bus, it pays even money when the dealer has a five up the dealer bus 43 percent of the time. You can make this bet when the dealer is a two-up. He only busts like 38% of the time. It pays even money. Think about this. On a money line, you got a baseball team that's like plus 165. And you just get even money, and people still bet it. You know? It's yeah. like, 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 I'm throw a couple black chips on the on the three busting. And the dealer's like always reminds them, easy bust, easy bust. Put your money up. And it's just like, it's disgraceful. I mean, in these books, why do you think all these books are holding 10% against the sports bettors when the drunk baby – whether he's done his research or not, is only losing at 4.5%. Now, how, you know, you, you said it's sort of a black box, but in your experience, how off is the payout? Like, how much of a ripoff is it really? Probably, well, the hold on these things, I think, is like 25%. And so a Theo hold on a two-team, same on a three-team same-game parlay, if it was paying the true amounts, should be like 10%. So... Um, and you, but you've got the core. You do have some correlation, so you should make an adjustment. I think it's short by like twenty percent. Okay. At least, you know, I'm gonna even say thirty percent. You, it's, you it's do ridiculous. the same game parlays. I guess you you don't have DraftKings available yeah. here, so that seems that seems like something you'd be like a wizard at. Would be my uh... well, my whole thing is that as long as it's correlated. Yeah, it makes sense. It, uh, and well, the math doesn't make sense, but the bet makes sense. Well, of course, be- because if you're not short paid. Yeah, because yeah. What, what I can't stand, <laughs> I can't stand seeing people give out same game parlays that says like under 51, but they got five anytime touchdown scorers. <laughs> right, right. We're, we're, we're literally they're still getting hit. They're still getting a hit with it's almost like you get your bill like during COVID. And like there's a, like a COVID charge, you know, there's an extra extra COVID disposal charge. It's like that all that all gets hit even to the anti-correlation. Yeah, but I like the idea of if you wanted to do um, if you if you like Mahomes over passing yardage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you're gonna put Kelsey over yardage. You're gonna put Juju over yardage because Mahomes has to get 300 somewhere, right? But you're not gonna bet. Mahomes under 300 and then hit three wide receivers for the Chiefs at over their yardage. Just not that, that to me, I see too many uncorrelated, if that's a word, parlays out there that just make no sense. McKenzie says he likes the Chiefs first half with Chiefs minus five and a half plus 230. The theory being the Eagles can't play from behind. Is that correlated enough to be interesting? What's the bet again? Chiefs, Chiefs. plus one and a half in the first half. Chiefs minus five and a half for the game, pays plus 230. 
Let's let's make the sausage. What's the math? The sausage is too complicated. So it's an alternate spread at minus five and a half of the game. Okay. And what's the theory behind taking that alternate? Like, I'm I'm just imagining if the Chiefs are up by 14, I want a little juicier payout than them just winning because Uh I think Jalen Hurts' numbers when he's trailing are much worse than when it's a good game script for him. I'd have to like calculate the binomial, like the distribution of like Kansas City tied at half, Kansas City down one. You want Texas to Johnny? So yeah, <laughs> so I'd have to, I'd have to calculate the probability of each and every one of them landing, and then multiply the probability they cover five and a half. Obviously, if, if, if for Kansas City's going to have to be up seven, if Kansas City's up at seven and a half time, this is a great this is a great, a great point. I I don't like this bet, and here's why: you don't need to parlay this and and maybe get reamed by the by by the bookmaker. McKenzie can just wait for Kansas City to be up because what if Kansas City's tied at halftime? Then this bet makes no sense anymore. The bet only makes sense if Kansas City's up like seven at halftime. You know, if Kansas City's up by seven, I like his his handicap. So why not just wait for them to be up at halftime? And if they are indeed up at halftime, the Eagles are going to be laying minus you know, um, you know, uh, three in the second half if Casey's up seven, and then take Kansas City at that point. And you know, I plus can three do that, second half. And I will do that because I won't be intoxicated during the game. <laughs> but that which that, is profitable. That brings up a good a good point because these two teams, one of them is built to come from behind. So if 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 you like Kansas City and they're down at halftime, it's not panic. Mm-hmm. If you like the if you like the Eagles and they're down at halftime, you've got to be really concerned. My question is, will the second half line show that? Like, of will course that... not. No, it'll just be rote. It'll just be based upon two teams, even teams, or, or like I, close to even teams. That... I, I got I got a favorite team, Eagles, so... and if they're down, if if the Eagles were down seven. They're going to be laying two and a half in a second. So that sounds like a real inefficiency well, in is, the algorithm. This, this yes. is, I might as well give my derivative, okay. if you will, because it is Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. All right. Chiefs second half right now, minus one and a half is plus 120. So the money line is minus 115. You get minus one and a half is plus 120. And it's for the exact same reasons that you're labeling out here now. If the Chiefs are trailing, I'm confident in them scoring and playing from behind and catching up and making it a game. So I like the Chiefs to outscore the Eagles if they were losing at the end of the first half. If they're winning, I like the Chiefs to to beat the Eagles in the second half because Philadelphia is not built to come from behind. And I think the Chiefs can tack on some points. So that's my half play, my forced derivative, if you will, is the second half Kansas City Chiefs. I'd rather just bet at the second half because you're gonna like it regardless. And now I just can wait shop, till it comes I out. I can shop thirty eight different you know, books sure, instead sure. of shopping four books that sure. have this. Yeah. I get the bet's the bet. It's just a matter of what you get it at and when exactly. you play it. Okay? Exactly. So and if, I you get... want, if you want to wait until halftime and you're listening to Rihanna look beautiful and, and sing her songs then play the second half line, whatever it is. I like the Chiefs in the second half. So let's go from Scott's derivative, his second half bet. And I'm curious about this because, Fez, let, let's go to your your bet first. Uh, and and I'll actually start with this because you and, you and RJ have – you each have a prop that feels like they push in opposite directions. Sure. So, so our RJ is on over nine and a half in the first quarter, which is it seems remarkably low for a, a game totaled at 51. A 51 should be like over 10, lay a dollar 25. Okay. okay. So it is remarkably low. But you have a, a prop that I guess it doesn't directly you know, go against this, but, in but it's, a, it's, it's hard to imagine that both hit. Yeah, I, actually, I'm gonna, I'll predict both do hit. Oh, okay. Um, well. So, so no score in the first six minutes, minus a dollar forty. And where I'm going here is, you know what? 
I think both these teams are going to move the ball well, and I don't think they're going to move it quickly. I think I, I could easily see if you told me either team gets the open kickoff and scores a touchdown, that's a disaster for my bet, right, that they're going to score. I don't feel so bad for them to drive the 75 yards. They could easily eat up over six minutes yeah. on that drive. It's really the only thing that really worries me is, is a field goal or, you know, the, the long pass interference penalty. We don't have Cheetah running around anymore. We've got, you know, Kansas City throwing more intermediate, shorter routes, and we've got the Eagles running the ball. And that is a leap of faith to think that these guys, even if they score on a touchdown drive, that they're going to do it within six minutes. It would not surprise me. In fact, bold predicts whoever gets the ball has a seven-minute, 46-second drive resulting in a touchdown, which puts both me and RJ looking fat. So I have a trend in history with this. There has not been a score in the first six minutes of the last six Super Bowls. The last time there was a score in the first six minutes, Super Bowl 50, the Broncos had the ball first. 10-play, 64-yard drive in 4 minutes and 17 seconds resulted in a field goal, 34 yards. Yeah, and I've done some looking into this, and Mackenzie and I were discussing it earlier today. If you take out the non-Brady-Belichick Super Bowls, it feels like there's a lot more early scoring than there is in those particular games. Mm -hmm. And I get that if you take those out, you're taking out basically half of the sample size, which is already small. I mean, do you, do you feel like that there's something to that, like that, that Brady Belichick wanted to make it ugly early in the game? I think of the 10 Super Bowls, you maybe you take out three. I don't. I mean, I still think it's significant. I think the bottom line is teams are close to the vest, and it wasn't just – remember, New England didn't play New England. They are playing right. an opponent. No, you're right. You know, and that, that opponent couldn't score against that New England defense. So, Well – so, like I said, RJ is on the first quarter over. I and I came in, and my my derivative was going to be the first half over. You can get it first half over twenty four. It's like minus one twenty. You've told me you think the second quarter is the better bet minus fourteen at, at minus one twenty. Exactly over fourteen minus one twenty second quarter. The idea being. Well, what happens if there's 10 in the first quarter? Well, you've got – you don't care. you got the same bet. Right, you're feeling good. And 10 is an over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 is an over – is exceeding expectations in the first quarter such that I think that it would be very rare that you're going to be staring at worse than 14 points in the first quarter. And if – I mean, you could have a scoreless first quarter, and then you're dead and on your first half over 24 – um, if it, if they get seven points in the first quarter, you're fine. You know, you 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 play the you play the over fourteen, you're looking good. You play the over seventeen, ooh, that's going to take a lot of first half scoring. These are the two highest scoring teams in the first half this season. Uh, they've combined to put up just under thirty four points per game on average between the two of them. I'm, I'm sure if we look at the historically, the teams that played in the Super Bowl probably have They're very probably good first similar half resumes. Numbers. Yes. Here's the other thing I like about and why I kind of like the and maybe I like what RJ saying the first half over even more. It feels like Andy Reid. We give him all we give him all this credit for, you know, on with extra prep. Mm-hmm. I mean, when is that extra prep going to be most advantageous? The scripted plays, the early plays, right? The the good ones. Mm. Uh, so it feels like he'll have an advantage then. And then I go back to what we talked about earlier about the quality of opposing quarterback that Philadelphia's seen. 
when you've seen the the group of bums that they've seen this year, and now you see Patrick Mahomes, it's got to be kind of a, a shock to the system. And I think, and you and I have talked about this on SLVAM, I expect Patrick Mahomes to come out and be aggressive early. I think they want to show that he's healthy. I think that Patrick Mahomes goes out and and I think that they are pushing the ball down the field early in this game. Mm. I also, something else we've we've kind of talked about, teams willing to be go, going for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Less aggressive or more aggressive in late down situations rather than taking field goals. I feel like teams will be willing to, to push for touchdowns, which brings up the expected points. So well, I'm not sure about that. Okay, why? Because if I've got the ball on my opponent's 30, all right, and I bet the over, I want them kicking a field goal because if they go for it, I get it. You know, if they, let's say they make it, so I benefit now instead of getting expected three points in that drive, I get four and a half points. I pick up a point and a half. You see where I'm going? Yeah, but this is like, I feel like if, I can if we had, I feel like if we had this discussion. A month ago, about a random game, you'd say they've got to go for it here. They what do, are you but thinking? It, but it doesn't help the over. It's a, the, the 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 the. I mean, it's one thing to, for it to be optimal for the team. It's not optimal to get to, to get over though. Okay. All right. Here's another question I've got because these are there's different numbers available, just like on most of these things. You can have first half over 24 at minus 120, first half over 24 and a half at even money. Yeah, I I would always take the twenty four, but I, I it's probably equal, you know. As that far, half I mean, point, yeah. Is... But but who wants to lose the last game of the year by half a point? No, I I, I tend yeah. to agree there. I would, I mean, I would play the twenty four and a half if it was better mathematically, but it's not. Twenty four is such an important number. I, I do want to ask you about your live wagering, and I know not everyone has access to you know a, a full menu of live wagering you've got multiple books i'm sure you'll have open when when the game is going what are some key things to look for what are some ways to attack this game live Let, let's say let's say the if if the chiefs are up 10 nothing in the first quarter what's your look i have to see how they got up 10 nothing it, it it all depends it's complicated but the number one thing i would say is with live wagering, don't play against one book. Don't be lazy. Don't be drinking your beer. I'm going to get on the phone. Let me see. Okay, the book I'm at, uh, they got money at the Westgate. Okay, they got Kansas City minus seven. All right? You need to know what the market is. It's like you're not going to win with one book. Now, you don't have to have ten. You can have three. All right? As long as you have three, two or three to check and only bet during timeouts because you're going to get pass posted if you try to play each play. All right? You get the spinning wheel of death. Mm-hmm. You bet on the Chiefs, and then they fumble. It's like, oh, bet accepted. Wonderful. Um, so wait for the – and there's more commercials. The, the commercials last a little longer during the Super Bowl. You're going to have time. So if you like if you like something, you know, go ahead and open up. You know, and you, you'll be surprised. You'll get variance between the, the books. Have the South Point open. Have the station open, have, you know, Westgate open, have Circa open. Just have have two or three books. They'll all be dealing it live. There'll be great variants throughout. And, by the way, I'm a meeting with an associate of mine tomorrow. I'm going to scream at him. He's, like, saying, I got invited to this party. You know, it's like, this is, you know what? This is not a good party to attend. If you're if you're a serious professional about making money, and, like, this is the number one thing, like, I'm I'm very hypercritical of my competitors like sell picks and like our different companies and like that like 
are, are tweeting and posting about the parties they're going to like and, and what they're doing for the Super Bowl. This is a huge money-making opportunity. You should be able to make a ton of money on a Super Bowl. But that's not totally fair because, like, like you said, the people who sell picks, there's no – I mean – you can't you can't sell anything that you're doing live to your clients. You can't help your clients. It's a good point. It's a good so, point. But if you're a serious better, if you say that's a good I, point. I, if if you say like I'm a professional sports better, then you should you be, shouldn't be at a Super Bowl party. Yes, it's almost. I'm trying to think of an example. It, it, it's like a professional poker player saying, you know, the World Series of Poker is in town. But I'm uh, in Hawaii. But I'm going it's to a, Hawaii a, the next ten days. It, it's a day trader going uh, going to the beach without his laptop. As opposed to being at the desk looking at the, 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 the unless he's got it automated. I'm not going to begrudge somebody <laughs> taking vacation. I don't know many yeah. accountants that vacation on April 13th to 15th. Yeah, okay. Yeah, usually, that's... it's like you've got all year to to, to to take time to go to parties. Don't do it the three hours of the Super Bowl. You know, right before the game starts, where you're just going to have some insane value across the board. And if you're doing this right, frankly, you should be kind of fried and not be like like ready to like go out and party and have a good time um but if you're it's you're right if you now if you're just a regular better you're betting small or a handicapper obviously it's a fun time and go to the super bowl i, I actually i'm gonna get people mad i think super bowl parties suck <laughs> i think it's like it a, depends because you know depends on I, how good the food is if, yeah if, if it's, i also if, I, I like to watch the game and listen to the the, the announcers. I know people sometimes don't like the announcers. I like to know what's going on in the game. I like to see the replays. I, I, I when there's a party and everyone's and the music's on and it's like the game's on in the background. No. And the value is is horrendous. Like literally, these sports books. It used to be Vegas was fun. You know, they are gouging you. You want to sit at a Super Bowl book? You got to be paying like two hundred dollars just to sit in the sports book. And you can't hear anything. You don't know what's going on. You yeah. can't be making money betting because you don't know, you have no idea what the market's going and and people around you wishing to have screaming at you as they're like like two you know two rows down the whole place hears them, and the um, or you go to the showrooms now the Super Bowl parties. Yeah, I, I get it if you're a VIP and you get invited, but like I mean it costs like three hundred dollars to. Yeah. I mean I have sticker shots. Listen, I I I last year I was just on my couch. Oh, that's where I'll be. Yeah. And yeah. no one bothering me. I'm, I'll be sitting, That's you it. know, with my computer in front of me, and <laughs> then you know, betting as the game goes by. And I've done very well betting live, like the variance of the lines, because you got books that don't dip it, typically dip their toe into live wagering, and they're going to deal some very opinionated lines, oftentimes because they're like, "Oh my God, we're going to get killed if the Eagles win this game," mm-hmm. you know, and 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 so they'll oftentimes shade their numbers. So at, at what point in the game, like you've said this before in the regular season, I'm curious if that holds true now. Or, and you said it certainly about the national championship in college. Mm-hmm. More of the same. If we get someone up by two scores. If Kansas City's ahead, more of the same. If Philly's ahead, it all depends. Because Kansas City can come from behind. Can, anyone who's watched Kansas City knows that double-digit Deficits are no problem. Ask your Houston Texans that oh, dumped yeah. off a twenty-four point lead. I don't claim them in by the, the way. first half. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Pl- I don't claim the Texans. The Texans so. will fake up punts. <laughs> That'll work. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll work. I don't know. So the more the same strat, or more the same strategy will apply if Kansas City gets a big lead. If Philly gets, or if Philly gets down or gets up, you're basically still watching and learning. Exactly. I think that that's that's. Sage, if I, I guess given that's the case, you know what you got to kind of. I think you got to kind of favor Philly in the first half. Well, you're talking about Kansas City in the second half. Regardless of the script, if they're ahead, they're going to kill them, and if they're behind, they can come from behind. Well, if Kansas City has all these advantages, 
and Philly's been so good in the first half, maybe you consider betting mm. Philly if you're going to bet Philly in the first half because of that, where it's not going to impact them as much. Yeah. Uh, I once again want to remind you that Fez's package is up right now. You can get it at pregame.com. Fez, thank you. Good luck this weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. The system, boys. The system started out last night on a high. Two system plays in college basketball. Mm. The first one, we'll get to you, AJ. Mm. Don't worry. The first one being West Virginia home against number 11, Iowa State. They closed at about, what, four, four and a half? Yeah. They win the game by five. They cover the system. Cover all numbers. Rolls on. And we're feeling great about the system, which was at, what, nine straight winners? That made it nine straight winners. Yeah, and and it's probably, it probably might, might even be more than that. But, you know, we started on Saturday saying, hey, it's, it's won five straight. So it could be more than that. But the system just kept rolling on. But there was another system play last night, and that was Utah State at home, favored, small line, one, one and a half, two and a half, depending on the, the closing yep. number you got, against number 25, San Diego State. This one was painful because in the first half, honestly, turned the game off. Yeah. I said the system, it's over. It's Hey, we're still profitable. The system's been great to us. It has been. But – this one's just a loss. All of a sudden, AJ, you tell me that, hey, Utah State's down one. Yeah. we. I turned the game on, and we got a chance. We got a chance. They uh, outscore San Diego State 33-19 in the second half. Included, there was like a 9-0 run over a, like three and a half minute span late. Uh, now, part of why... Utah State had so much success in the second half was uh, there was a skirmish in the first half, and they announced that three Utah State players were being ejected. Yeah, it was weird. And instead, um, they ejected San Diego State's point guard, <laughs> Damian Trammell. So this was like a – or Darion Trammell. This is like a big deal to, to kick a guy out of the game, and he didn't really look like anybody should have been ejected, to be honest. But without him – Utah State makes a comeback in the second half, and we had drama. They had a chance to win it at the end. They had actually multiple chances to win it at the end and could not hit a shot, then could not get a shot off. Uh, so, of course, I I don't know in this 9-1 stretch if I had – I don't think I was on any system plays. I'd gotten to the point where I wasn't – playing games because of the system. It saved me on Marquette yesterday. Uh, but, or excuse me, the day, I guess that was on mm -hmm. Tuesday. Yesterday I said, you know what? Not only, I'd had this spot circled, Utah State circled for a while. This was one of my, one of my favorite bets of the season was Utah State minus one. And it happened to be a system play. Yeah. So it was like the worlds are aligning. I've got a healthy amount on Utah State, mm. and the system fails for the first time in 10 games. This is a cruel world, Scott. Yeah. Like, did I mush the system? What's what's going on here? You did here? not mush the system, and anybody that's going to tweet in that AJ mushed the system, while it's hilarious, it's me, <laughs> and you shouldn't do it because he didn't mush the system. The fact is Utah State played a horrible first half. They were down 44-28 at the half. They came back, a valiant effort, 
a bad final possession. They they had an opportunity. Terrible final possession. And all you can ask for when you are betting a game, yes, it's a system play, but it's such a close spread. It's essentially a coin flip game. Yeah. And all you can ask for in a coin flip game is, do I have a chance to win it, to win the bet? And you had a chance. We all yeah. had a chance to win the bet at the end of the game. A terrible final possession. They wind up, you know, fouling uh, a one and one. They only make the first free throw. So that's why the final score was 63-61. But Utah State had the ball down 62-61 with plenty of time to run a play, get a good look at the basket. The shot just just didn't fall. Now I don't. Would your parlay have won if if Utah if uh you 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 didn't have minus one? What number did you have? What they and Utah need? State money line. Oh, okay. So you would have covered anyway. Yes, I know. So thanks for reminding me. Is it more painful? Because I've got an answer for this. Is it more painful that they came all the way back, dominate the second half, and have a chance to win and don't? Yes. Then it would have been had they just lost by yes. thirty. Yes. Yeah. It's a tease. It and was I, a kick in the dick. And, and this is the thing. I have I have suffered like this multiple times. And it's not just like it's in every sport. I I, I say this all the time when I when I lose. I talked about it earlier this week. I bet a team minus a puck and a half in hockey. They win the game in overtime, or they win by one. It's like I picked the right winner, but they didn't cover the one and a half puck line. Like they didn't get the empty netter. Like Rangers last night, I gave out Rangers in regulation. Rangers won four three in regulation. But had I bet Rangers minus a goal and a half. I would have been really pissed that they gave up a soft goal 11 seconds after taking a two-goal lead late in the third period, and they didn't get an empty netter. And I, I'm, I'm such a bitter guy that I'd rather bad things happen to the team if I lose my bet. So if I'm going to lose, if, if, if I bet a team to win in regulation or win minus one and a half, and they go into overtime, I want to see them lose the game. Yeah. If I bet a team and they come all the way back down 16 points and have a chance to win the game? Yeah, no. Forget you guys. I would have rather you get blown out by 16. Don't tease me like that. Because playing with my money is like playing with my emotions. Emotions ran high last night. I was cheering. I had no money on West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I was cheering for the system. I, I didn't even know you had money on West Virginia at the time. I but did. I said, you know what? I'm for the show, and I know our listeners are playing the system. I'm cheering for the system. Yeah, and it was great back. Not a backdoor cover, but a late cover. Thanks to free throws, it was great. I was cheering for the system hard in the latter game. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it didn't work out, unfortunately. So, uh, a painful, painful end to the winning streak of the system. Uh, you know what I'm hopeful of? I'm hopeful that the system will one day ride again. It's still 43 and 23 overall. So we're okay. Yes. It's just that, that man, it's like one of those things. It's it, Mackenzie, you know this as an NBA capper. Like if you've got a hot streak and someone hops on, it's somebody's always going to get on on the last day of your yeah, hot streak. Th th no that, that's the it. best advice that someone has ever given me when it comes to, um, when it comes to, doing what we do for a living. And it is, there's always going to be somebody that comes in at the end of a winning streak. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. You can oh. win, you can win 99 games in a row and you could lose game number 100. There's always going to be at least one person that their first bet was game number 100. Yeah. And they're going to be like, aren't you a professional at this? Yes. Why did you get that so like, and You suck. Listen, I've experienced that basically this week. It has been a rough week for me betting college basketball. 
if you were on board with me for literally the the month prior, you're happy. Like I'm, oh, my AJ can do no wrong. Then you know, it's word starts to get out. People get on board. And they're like, what this guy? He stinks. Yeah. Uh, and but there's there's ebbs and flows as always. Oh, it happened. I blamed I blamed RJ on the Dream Pod because they promoted RJ promoted my hockey package. I was up 41 units. Well, then I went down a couple of units. So now, you know, being at 36 is worse than when I was at 41. But, hey, we'll get back there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a painful loss. Uh, No system plays tonight, unfortunately. Yeah, it'll it'll have to wait. Uh, Elsewhere in college hoops, Creighton handles their business. They dominate Seton Hall 75 to 62. Massive upset. Vanderbilt beats Tennessee. I've been talking – I said this last night. I don't want to lay a big number with Tennessee. They are, their offense stinks. Their offense stunk last night. Vanderbilt 66, Tennessee 65. You mentioned West Virginia getting the win and the cover over Iowa State. Man, this was one of those regrets. Yesterday on the pod we said uh, Houston laying 27 against Tulsa at home, Mm -hmm. best team in the AAC against the worst team. And I said, man, everything points to Houston just murdering them, but I don't really want to lay 27. Well, they were up 28 at halftime, and they win by 38. 80 Mm -hmm. to 42, absolute domination. Georgetown, another game that I talked about on the pod and didn't bet with my own doll hairs. They cover against Providence, 74-62 Providence win. Florida gets blown out by Alabama. I thought Florida would compete in that game. They did not. Baylor gets a 10-point win as 9.5-point favorites against Oklahoma. On the schedule tonight, Purdue, who was a part of that 9-1 system streak, probably pretty angry, Purdue, would be my guess. Iowa coming to town. Iowa, a team that struggles defensively now has to find a way to match up with the not just the best big man in the country but the best college basketball player in the country uh Purdue favored by 7 in that game against Iowa so interesting to see if if Purdue the number 1 team who who remain number 1 by the way uh interesting to see if they bounce back off the loss number 7 UCLA is on the road. They are at Oregon State, who is, how can I put it nicely, dog shit. Uh, UCLA favored by, I guess the line would tell you, UCLA favored by 15 on the road tells you about everything you need to know about how good Oregon State is. Number four, Arizona also has a free square tonight as they take on Cal. Arizona on the road laying 19 points. Uh, against Cal, who's in that discussion for worst Power 5 team in the country. Gonzaga, minus 13.5, hosting San Francisco. They are coming off a loss to St. Mary's, who St. Mary's on the road, eight-point favorites at Loyola Marymount, who beat Gonzaga already once this year. Elsewhere, not in top 25 action, UNLV got a win 69-59 over Wyoming. And I texted you guys yesterday when this news kind of hit. Wyoming is in really a disastrous spot. So Wyoming's best player, Graham E.K., has been unable to play all season. He's redshirting. Their most valuable player this season 
had been Noah Reynolds. He had his third concussion in six months. They announced on Monday he is done for the season, not going to play another game this year. They announced that Max Abampolo, Ethan Anderson, and Jake Kyman are all leaving the Wyoming program. And those guys were the three Pac-12 transfers, two from USC, one from UCLA, who came in this offseason, were expected to really put Wyoming over the top uh, after a strong season last year. It has not worked out. And they're all out doing some like back digging to figure out what happened here. The other day, uh, Jeff Linder was asked about Ethan Anderson's role expanding with Noah Reynolds out for the season. His quote was, if you want more, you have to do more. That's life. You're not going to change as a player, and you're not going to change as a team by doing less. This program is not going to be about doing less. They said, he said, I've tried that with Ethan Anderson. It hasn't worked. So big-time transfer comes in. Best player goes down. They say, hey, more minutes for one of your big-time transfers? And you go, no, I don't think so. He's not putting in the work. All three guys leave. Wyoming is now down to seven scholarship players for the rest of the season. They lose by double digits against UNLV at home last night. Uh, feels like Wyoming may be a team that is in full freefall mode for the rest of the season. Just two games on the ice last night. One that I was invested in for my clients at pregame.com. Rangers win 4-3 over the Canucks. So we get the Rangers winning in regulation, plus Rangers over three and a half goals, which cashes as well. The other game, the Stars beat the Wild 4-1. Jake Ottinger made 38 saves for Dallas. Much larger slate of games tonight. Red Wings host the Flames. Calgary minus 160 with a total of six. Panthers host the Sharks. Florida minus 225. That total is seven. Wowzer. The Kraken are at the Devils. New Jersey minus 165. Oilers at the Flyers. Edmonton minus 178. The Avalanche at the Lightning. Tampa Bay minus 130. The Canucks at the Islanders. This one intrigues me, but I need to know if Ilya Sorokin is... In net for the I Islanders. No, I gotta know. So the Islanders are minus two twenty. The total is six. We just faded the Canucks last night. Also faded the Canucks on Monday. This will be their third game in four nights, and it'll be the second of a back to back. Ilya Sorokin is literally putting himself in the Vesna conversation, and at home this year. So on Long Island at the UBS Arena, he is or he has a one point eight one. Goals against average. By comparison, the leader in the NHL in goals against average is Jake Ottinger at 2.25. Sorokin, by the way, at 2.31 is third in the NHL. So, you know, he's pretty good himself. But if you look at, seriously, a 1.81 is absolutely disgusting. So, Islanders playing well at home. They got some, uh, you know, a boost to their offense by acquiring Bo Horvat. And if it's Sorokin in net against the Canucks team, that is just, they're giving up a ton of goals, way too much this season. Uh, it's a reason why I like the Rangers over three and a half goals because Vancouver is allowed. Hey, they have allowed the second most goals per game in the NHL, three point nine four goals per game. So if Sorokin's in net, 
I, I, I got to fade this Canucks team playing the third game in four nights. And by the way, the best uh, goals against average in the NHL is uh, Linus Allmark, who's at 1.9. But Sorokin at home, on home ice, better than Allmark's 1.9. And then there's one other game uh, tonight. It is the Golden Knights at the Wild. Minnesota playing the second night of a back-to-back. They are minus 125 favorites. Golden Knights took uh, they took the Predators to the woodshed the other night. Absolutely. They, were, they needed a win, got a nice one there. Yeah, and I like them as dogs here, especially Minnesota playing on the second night of a back-to-back. If you want to take advantage of any daily best bet packages we have at pregame.com or possibly Super Bowl props packages like one from Mr. Steve Fezzik, like we talked about earlier on this show, you can take 20% off. How do you do that? Well, you use one of our promo codes, the promo code BRIGHT20. Shine bright like a diamond. (laughs) Bright 20 is the promo code because, uh, you know, Fez just shines. He's too bright. He's too bright. You you can't stare directly at him, not without sunglasses on. Uh, Bright 20 gets you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. But take advantage. I mean, Fez is going to have like 40-something bets on the Super Bowl. We have best bet packages going up uh, every night. So whether it's an NBA package, college basketball, NHL, football, whatever, you take 20% off at pregame.com, promo code BRIGHT20. For A.J. Hoffman, Steve Fezzik, Mackenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Sattenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.